The Kogan Money Credit Card. Packed full of value with rewards and no annual fee. Summer Breakfast. Welcome back, Summer Breakfast. Mac Horton's going to join us a little bit later on in the program. Olympic gold medalist. Mac. Absolutely. He's got some big goals uh, coming up in the, uh, in the near future. Remember he but, took uh, on Sonny? He did, yeah. And, and, and about a billion of his uh, comrades as well. Strong there, Mac. I like Mac. Mm. Uh, so we'll have a chat to him. I don't know if he's on good terms with the bike or not, or, but he's going to yeah, – well, he's an ambassador for the Cadellabins Great Ocean Road Race People's Rides. I'm not sure if that ambassadorship extends to him uh, getting on the pushy itself, but we'll ask him about he it. He might be going to do triathlons. Well, he might be. Swim, bike, run. I, I know what a triathlon is. Yes, thank you. Uh, he might be. Reasonable athlete, isn't he, Max? So we'll have a chat to him a little bit later. Hilton Cartwright as well. He's playing some good cricket for the Melbourne Stars. And boy, do they need some more like him this season. And Ochana Murray. touchy this morning. Am I? Yeah. Must be those dragonflies. Yeah. You're got a me bit stumped. touchy as well. I don't know whether it's just a bit tired. What week are you taking off? No, I've got a couple of weeks with you and then another little sabbatical after that. Because didn't get a lot of sleep. You're looking last a night. bit tired. Yeah, I'm a bit yeah. fatigued today. Achana Murray Bartlett. Uh, Things okay at home? If, if anyone's fatigued, Have I'm, got it? Boys I'm, okay? I'm on my own at the moment. What? I'm on my own. The uh, wife and kids are down in uh, Tasmania. You're no. not sleeping well. Down in Hobart. And I was late to bed last night, and obviously the alarm goes off relatively early these days to join your smiling face. Achana uh, Murray Bartlett, if anyone's tired, it'd be her finishing an epic run this week, running from Cape York to Melbourne. But enough of that, uh, because Ben Rothenberg Scoob is among the world's. His tennis. Oh, well, he does know his tennis. In fact, he's among the world's preeminent tennis journalists. And as we count down to the start of the Australian Open, Ben has joined us on the line from the US. G'day, Ben. Thanks a lot for your time, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me here. It would appear as though we're on the verge of a, a very different Australian Open this year. You know, almost a, down here, 180 degree attitude change on COVID. Practice matches selling for $20 and selling out in less than an hour in the case of Kyrgios and Novak. There's unfortunately been some high profile withdrawals, but what's your read on the appetite for the first Grand Slam of the year? Yeah, it does seem like it's ramping up to be a more normal one. I mean, the last two Australian Opens were very much defined by the pandemic with, you know, 2021, a lot of people remember players were in quarantine and were complaining about the quarantine some, which annoyed a lot of the Australian public, understandably. And there's sort of weird vibes and a lot of uh, very partial and scarce crowds, even when things were allowed, people weren't attending. And then a couple of the middle rounds had to be completely empty, played in front of empty stadiums because of various snap lockdowns at the time. So... Those uh, were strange events, and obviously last year, as you alluded to, it's dominated by the Novak Djokovic deportation saga, which took up the couple weeks before the tournament and started it off on a very weird foot, even if the tournament did get off to a, a pretty great finish in the end with Ash Barty winning and, and Rafael Nadal winning and two very popular champions there. Uh, but yeah, this time, I think everything seems relatively normal uh, in terms of the build-up. Obviously, a bunch of familiar faces, including... Ash Barty, defending champion on the women's mm. side, and uh, Serena Williams, Roger Federer, have all retired since then. Naomi Osaka, who's won two recent Australian Opens, not in the field either. Uh, so some continuity and some some change, but definitely, and the vibes are better uh, than they have been since before the pandemic in Melbourne, it would we, seem. We will come back to the Open and the events at Melbourne Park that we're going to witness, but just you raise her name. I, I wanted to ask you about Naomi Osaka and Jonathan Liu's story in The Guardian. I'm not sure if you <laughs> saw, but the fact that she'd made £42 million last year and obviously not much of that from, from tennis. And Jonathan writes about the act of, you know, quietly quitting, as it were. I mean, do you, do you feel as though she might be detaching herself from the sport or is that uh, uh, too, too strong a point? 
No, I think she's definitely receding from the sport as maybe the word I would use. She's definitely sort of stepping back from it in without announcing so much. Mm. And she hasn't played uh, a match since September. Uh, she lost first round of US Open and then played one match in Tokyo before pulling out of that tournament. Uh, and she, as far as I know, hasn't hired a coach since she split with her coach uh, back in June or July. And she hasn't been training really either. And she, there's been no sort of formal announcement, but I think she's sort of recalculating things. And I don't, there's no indication she's injured uh, seriously that would be stopping her from this. So yeah, I think she's I think she's reticent to put a label on it. I think the sort of quiet quitting term, which became sort of a general term in the economy and the workforce and, and business, as people, you know, try to reprioritize their own self care and mental health and all sorts of related terms coming out of the pandemic or in the pandemic. Uh, yeah, Naomi, I do. I, I like that piece by Jonathan Liu in The Guardian. I read that. I thought it was it captured a pretty fair take, I think, on a lot of what people are thinking is going on with her. And it's and it's a loss for the sport, for sure. Uh, having, you know, I mentioned people who are missing from this tournament and she on paper maybe shouldn't be missing. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's not dissimilar to kind of what Ash Barty did in a lot of ways, although she did make a, a formal announcement pretty abruptly uh, a couple months after her last match. Uh, just, you know, if, if Naomi Osaka is sort of satisfied on some level what she's accomplished in the sport, for now and doesn't feel the need to keep pushing onwards then she yeah will will be quiet quitting as as he said rafael nadal's not um not quitting yet anyway he's 36 years old ben <laughs> his form leading in i've never seen before you know it, it, it's it, it's been well under what we're used to seeing going into this grand slam is that spelling the end or is he still capable of winning this grand slam yeah, he's taken a lot of losses, but they haven't been that bad by the eye test, really. I mean, he lost in three sets uh, to Alex Dimonar and then three sets to Cam Norrie in his two warm-up matches at the United Cup in Sydney. And those are both, you know, top 20 players, I think, and both uh, pretty strong competitors. And Rock would usually would win those matches, but losing deep in, in third sets twice is not... I think all panic stations for Rafa and, and, you know, part of him will have been wanting to peak at this grand slam. That said, he had a, a rough second half of last year as well. I think he's on something like, I think he's lost five of his last six matches or something along those lines, dating back to, to late last season, which is very unusual for someone of his caliber. I think it's probably the worst stretch of his career pretty easily. Uh, so we'll see. I think, you know, no one was counting him as a major favorite last year and he defied that and, and got the matches he needed early on to get momentum. And we'll see what the draw holds for him for sure. I think Rafa's very good at sort of, setting low expectations for himself, even at the French Open. People, you know, last year thought, oh, he was, you know, banged up and injured in Rome. He can't possibly win the French Open. And then he wins it for the 14th time and everyone looks silly. So I think I think you really do count him out at your own peril. The trio of Djokovic and Nadal and and um, also Federer, Federer retired, of course. Is there a, a trio of youngsters, you know, from the 20 to 23-year age group that, that are the heir apparents to the... Because it, it's been... Such an ex extraordinary ride with those three guys at the top of their game. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the bar that those three guys set is going to be cleared immediately at all. I mean, they, the lowest one of those is Federer out 20 grand slams, which is a pretty impossible uh, minimum to be hitting for, for three guys. But there are probably a pretty easy sort of triumvirate that's arrive, arriving in men's tennis right now. I would count uh, Carlos Alcaraz, who's the number one player, another big name out of the Australian Open League. Actually, that was a big disappointment for the field. The U.S. Open champion at such a young age who really electrified crowds. Him being out of Melbourne is a, a big loss for the tournament. He would be in that sort of leading pack, as would be probably Yannick Sinner, who's another person around the same age uh, who's played a couple of great matches against Alcaraz last year at Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. He's ranked just outside the top 10 now. And then I'll probably throw in Holger Rune, who's the uh, young Danish player who won the Paris Indoors Master uh, late last season to break into the top 10 as well. Still a long ways to go, but of the sort of 
even younger generation, uh, that's what it's going to be. But there's just been so many generations that have sort of come and gone during this big three era that didn't really get to make a dent at all. You know, sort of Grigor Dimitrov, Milos Ronich, Kani Shikori era was sort of the first group of, of young guys challenging them. They didn't win any grand slams between them. And then the younger group after them, Vasitsipas, Zverev, Medvedev, I think has one grand slam between them and throw Rublev and whoever else in there too. It's been hard to break through. It will get easier for sure as these big two guys now left continue to get older, but they're you know still won three of the four grand slams just last year. Uh, we're speaking to leading tennis writer Ben Rothenberg. Ben, I wanted to ask you about the women's side of the draw and you read on that. Obviously, Igat Svartek is the, the, the raging favorite for the bookies for what it's worth, but what's your read on the women's yeah. side of the game? Yeah, Iga definitely should be the favorite based on how she played last year, winning two Grand Slams and tons of other tournaments and matches. I will, but the conditions, I will say, have not seemed to suit her so far this year. It seems like it's playing a little bit slicker and faster in Australia, at least at the United Cup for sure. And she kind of got her doors blown off in her final match at the United Cup by Jess Pagula, who's the number three player uh, in the USA versus Poland semifinal of that tournament. She lost 6-2, 6-2, which was one of the most lopsided losses Iga's taken in a long time. Uh, so that's a, a concerning no for her and probably doesn't go into Melbourne with her highest confidence uh, because of that. But we'll see how how the courts are playing on Rod Labor Arena, especially where you'd presume she'll play pretty much all her matches there. Uh, it, she doesn't she likes higher bounces. She plays a lot of topspin. She's best on clay. Uh, and, and Wimbledon, for example, is where she struggled the most last year. So a low bouncing slick court could disrupt Iga from her heavy favorite status and then it could be a much more open field but if it's playing at all slower or she can adjust uh meaningfully well then i think she yeah she's still the person to pick now the highly anticipated netflix documentary breakpoint is of course about to drop publicly i know you've laid your eyes on it now am i right yeah. to say looking at some of your tweets you've been a little bit underwhelmed i think i just didn't totally know what to expect and i don't think it was what i was expecting in certain ways i think it really does sort of show some undercurrent stories sort of a bit not the headlines sort of grabbing stories at all of the 2022 season, which obviously, you know, I traveled all those tournaments they show and covered them. And the big stories, someone we mentioned, you know, Djokovic, uh, the deportation saga is mentioned for like less than a minute in one episode in the, one of the Australian Open episodes. And then Iga Svantec's like 37 match winning streak, which happened during the time frame of the show in the first half of the season, not mentioned barely at all. Uh, uh, let's see, Ash Barty retiring, not really mentioned barely at all in there. So this is, it's, it's not sort of, it's sort of showing this sort of B cast, honestly, of players who are kind of getting lower level headlines. And some of them, it shows them because it followed them all year and it only shows each player at one given uh, stop on the tour. So yeah. like Nick Kyrgios is only in it for an Australian Open episode and then you don't see him again for the next four episodes. He's the first episode and he doesn't recur, which again, I think is sort of a missed opportunity for me. I don't know. I, I haven't, I haven't seen a show like that quite. It just seems like there's not much continuity between the episodes either. Like Nick Kyrgios, for example, wins Australian Open doubles, which they focus on a lot and celebrate, uh, which was, you know, with Kalkanakis was a big, you know, phenomenon last year. But then they don't show like his, for example, his his meltdowns in Indian Wells or Miami, uh, which were also headline grabbing and dramatic and things like that. So I, it just wasn't what I was expecting. I do think there are some moments, but it's also, I'm, I, I know that I'm too close to it to, to probably be the judge. The show is very much not made uh, for me or for anyone else who even follows tennis on a, fairly uh you know routine basis i think it's really made people who are pretty brand new to the yeah. sport and I'm, I'm assuming it worked like the, the drive to survive that the in this case well in that case drivers and teams had to sign up to be filmed now i'm sure that yeah. was the same with in the tennis world and i'm assuming novak just didn't didn't hand himself over to the documentary right yeah well he was in custody for the first part of their filming window but uh i don't know if they would have been able to film him there but he yeah, he didn't, and a bunch of other top players did not either. Barty did not. They did seem to try to have a pretty cohesive 
uh, framing of showing the guys and, and, and women who are challenging uh, the top spots. Like a bunch of people over the course of the show play against Nadal mm. in big tournaments. So it's a lot of people who played big matches against Nadal and usually lost as the first half of last year went. Uh, but Nadal himself is not actually, you know, speaking to camera one of the one of the future participants so it's a group of challengers uh people who tennis fans will know uh, but probably non-fans will not know just kind of at that threshold except for curios i think it's probably the one sort of breakout name even though he's never been in the top 10 unlike mm. other people on the show mm. so uh it's a it's a, it's a sort of yeah it's sort of supporting characters driven show which can be interesting but i i found i'm not sure i just i genuinely can't judge what a non-tennis fan is going to think of it i don't know if it's not as loud or as exciting and certainly as dramatic or uh you know sparkling with personalities and sort of inter animosity as as drive to survive was it doesn't have that same sort of, of spice to it really actually the the next one coming up i think is going to be probably the best one it's coming out on a new streaming service called disneyland what's that? it's on bernard tomic oh yeah bernie what did you think of that ben <laughs> the fact that he didn't get the wild card that was a little, I'm not exactly sure what his ranking is right now. I haven't seen him in a while, but I do know he's been playing pretty seriously. He's been playing a lot of uh, ITF events and really low, the lowest level professional of tennis right now. He's been working his way back. And I guess they thought he wasn't quite to where he wants to be. And obviously, yep. you know, he's burned plenty of bridges in Australian tennis over the course of his days. And maybe they just want to see a bit more from him. But he does, he is still, you know, he has results streaming in constantly if you follow him from these lower level events. So he's still, he's still going, but maybe it's not surprising that, yeah, he's not going to be, uh, one of the you know mm. chosen few for for t- Craig Tiley in Tennis Australia. You've been super generous with your time. One last quick one before we let you go. Did I sure. see that the Serena Williams sort of comeback rumors haven't quite fizzled out completely yet? Are they still sort of bubbling away? There's still, I think there's a lot of her fans who've been optimistic about that, but I do think there she is. Offic- I was just sort of tweeting something about that today. You probably saw that yeah. she uh, has officially retired. I was just sort of checking the paperwork. She's taking herself out of the. Uh, the testing protocols for WADA, which make you, you know, put up your whereabouts. You can be found any time of at least one time each day to be randomly tested. She's removed herself from yep. that program when you'd have to be in there for several months in order to just jump back in. So she's not going to show up, say, in Miami in, in March. She would need a, a longer runway and we'd get a few months warning uh, because she did officially file paperwork to retire, as did Ash Barty. I uh, was looking at the at the list uh, to remove themselves from this the system. So there's a lot of hopeful people, and she did sort of hint and tease it a bit in September, saying, "Well, I always like Melbourne and things like that." But yeah, but she's not uh, not making her way back. It seems. I lied. There's just one more. I need a, a male winner from you and a female winner from you. And obviously, the question in this town, in this country, this time of the year is always: Can Nick Kyrgios actually go the distance here at Melbourne Park? I mean, he's not my winner pick to win the singles for sure, especially just because of his lead up. I mean, he pulled out of his two events and so we haven't seen him play. He's scheduled to play this practice match that they're selling tickets for yep. uh, with Djokovic uh, on Friday. I'm not sure he's been practicing yet. I I, don't, I haven't seen pictures or anything of him practicing. I, I maybe missed something, but I'm not sure what his health status is and who knows if he even makes that, that practice match. We'll TBD on that. Uh, so he's not my pick. I think Djokovic would be the pick for sure. I mean, he wasn't always at his best in Adelaide. He had to save a, a championship point in the final against Sebastian Corda, but you know he's been so good down there and does seem to not be too uh, shaken by what happened to him last year. Maybe it'll be different in Melbourne where everything actually did go down for him, but I think the emotional baggage isn't going to trip him up too much. It doesn't seem. And then for the women, it's a lot more open. Uh, you know, I may have picked slightly outside the box if, if Shantek is looking shaky. Uh, I'll pick Coco Golf, let's say, who won the Auckland WTA tournament uh, and has had a rising year and would like these faster conditions. 18-year-old American, uh, just a bit of the outside, but not not doesn't deserve to be betting favorite or anything like that, but I think she's maybe my tip for this. 
So good to talk to you, mate. Absolute pleasure. Been really generous with your time. And you look fresh here on our Zoom chat. I know your sleep patterns are about to get a little rockier <laughs> as you watch us from the other exactly. side. Exactly. <laughs> so we've got you while you're fresh. But, mate, really appreciate it. Love your insights and great to talk to you. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Cheers. There's Ben Rothenberg there, one of the world's preeminent tennis journos. Scoob knows it inside and out. And, and look, we'll, we'll see how we go. When the tennis uh, gets cracking and the whip star cracking down at Melbourne Park, we might try to catch him again. Yep. And you can say all the names. I'm, I'm and we'll, let, we'll let Ben say all the names, I reckon. We'll just refer to yeah, you. You'll, you'll have to tackle a few of them because okay. you'll get absolutely no assistance from me whatsoever. <laughs> Zero. Uh, I might have to do some homework, some significant homework. Now, uh, a late change to the rundown. Uh, Mac Horton's not going to join us today. He's going to join us tomorrow. I think he was intimidated by your damn swim and he thought, I've got to back out now. And, you know, your prowess in the in the pond uh, to get that cow, your power, while clothed, just put him off a little bit. So we'll have a chat to the Olympic uh, Games gold medalist. Tomorrow, Ambassador for Cadell Evans, Great Ocean Road Race, People's Ride. SEM Breakfast, Scoob. You, you okay? Oh, I'm disappointed. Yeah. No, we'll get him tomorrow. To Let the appetite grow. Oh, we might even have the Pap, Ryan Pappenhausen tomorrow as well from the States and his recovery. See how he's going. SEM Breakfast is for the Kogan Money credit card. They don't want to talk to us, don't they? Packed full of value. We'll be back after this. Coming to the A-Team.